It's that time, the Betting Predators Podcast, where our main objective is hunting down the best bets for you. I'm your host, Sleepy Jay. You guys can find me on Twitter at SleepyJ underscore pregame. Joined here by fantasy football player prop expert Chris Dell. You guys can find him on Twitter at Mad Journalist. That is M-A-D-D Journalist. And you can find us both on the best sports betting information site on the web, pregame.com. All right, Chris, here we go. NFL week number 10. This is our Money Picks pod. This is a podcast where we go through all the player props, all the DFS stuff, season-long stuff. And uh, I actually, I saw your ratings the other day there, Chris, and uh, I was reading through something or another, and I saw that you were in some type of uh, leaderboard thing, and, and I saw your name was all the way at the top. What the hell was that all about? Yeah, so that's the Fantasy Pros Expert Accuracy Contest, and you hear when we talk about fantasy rankings, we talk about ECR, that's the Expert Consensus Rankings. It's basically like about 200 or so analysts across the industry from different websites that they submit rankings through fantasypros.com. And they grade you based off of each position, how you do week to week and on the season. So on the season so far, uh, I'm number three out of 125 analysts who rank DSTs. So that's been the best position by far this year. And then also very happy to a huge improvement from last year when it was my first year doing it. Top 40 in ranking QBs at about 190 analysts. Uh, all together. So uh, happy about the results, all about the work that we're putting in behind the scenes as a team, working on the player props cheat sheet that we mentioned last week. So uh, I'm excited to keep the momentum going and hopefully get a top five or higher finish in the DST rankings by the end of the year. But uh, yeah, it's like every, every week, man, it's 250 or so entities all together from QB down to DST, even kickers. I'm ranking 28 kickers a week or every basic kicker for every team that's playing. So Make sure to check out my rankings. They're free every single week on the website for season-long fantasy. I know a lot of people use them for DFS purposes as well. Uh, but you can find those at bettingpredators.com free every week. And I got them up for week 10. I got those up early this week. So uh, excited to get going here, talk some fantasy, talk some props, and get going, man. All right, man. Good stuff. You know, the, the fact that you're sitting there in, in, like, third position with that specific ranking, you know, that, that just lets you know that you're do- lets everybody know that you're doing the work because you, you simply can't guess um, that good in order to be, you know, going up against all those type of people. So uh, we clearly know that you're doing the work. I mean, you show everybody, you know, all the work that you do. So, uh, you know, I certainly appreciate that. And I'm, I'm sure everybody else does as well. And we have a lot of work to get to here, Chris. We got week 10 NFL player picks podcast. Uh, let's start out with the Jets and, and Buffalo. That's the first one on the docket here for me. Uh, we have a big line in this one, Chris Buffalo. They're going to be minus 11 in this game. We have a total of 47 and a half. I'm going to go back to Michael Carter here, Chris, and I think it's for a good reason. Now, we saw Mike White go in uh, against, I think it was who was Indianapolis, where he started the game and then he ended up getting hurt. And a a lot of people's props blew up in that game because of that. One of them was mine. I I liked Mike White uh, over his passing yards. And he ends up getting hurt. He ends up going out of the game. I think that that just screwed up a lot of props for a lot of people. But when he played a full game against the Bengals, we saw how involved Michael Carter was. And I believe we're going to go back to that same type of uh, uh, featured players in this particular game because that's who Mike White was you know, very comfortable with. They won that game. So I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to play Michael Carter to score a touchdown uh, at plus 135. I believe there's just a lot of touches there. I mean, go back to that game against Cincinnati. I think he touched the ball. It was like 26 times or something like that. Uh, so I'm going to do that. I'm going to play him over his rushing yards um, as well. This one I was a little concerned about. It's 38 and a half. And then I'm starting to think about it. I'm like, okay, well, Buffalo, their their rushing defense on the year is, has actually been very good. But 
teams have to throw against that team. And I'm like looking at the teams that they, that they've beat up this year. You know, do they held the Texans to zero, held Miami to uh, like zero, uh, beat up on Washington? And I'm like, you know what? I wonder if these rushing stats are actually correct. You know, their defensive rushing stats. So I just went and I was like, oh, who's the best running back they faced? Uh, Derrick Henry touched the ball 20 times, had 143 yards, three TDs, and had seven yards per rush. So I'm like, all right, well, how good are they? So I started digging around a little bit more, and I'm not thoroughly convinced that Buffalo. Uh, can hold somebody like Michael Carter down. So I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to play him over to 38 and a half rushing yards. And I'm going to play him over his receiving yards at 26 and a half. If he's involved like he was when he w- when Mike White was on the on the field for a full game like he was against Cincinnati, uh, I think there's a good chance I could go 3-0. So that's all I'm going to do for that game. Michael Carter over his receiving yards. Michael Carter over his rushing yards. And Michael Carter to score a touchdown. I feel pretty good there, Chris. I, I, I have a gut feeling I'm going to hit all three, but I would be surprised if I didn't hit two out of three. What do you got for that game? Yeah, so we were literally just talking about this game right before we started recording here, and it's amazing what the Jets have done with their offense over the last month. And basically, ever since Zach Wilson gone down, uh, went down, they've gone from being you know a middling passing offense in terms of their pass rate over expectation to now they're top 10 in the NFL for the entire season combined, and, and pass rate over expectation is a metric that we track in our player props cheat sheet that we mentioned. And that's going to be available for everyone for all the Sunday uh, main slate games. Sometime by the time you listen to this podcast, Friday afternoon, Friday, Friday evening, we're going to have that out. Uh, but basically we take that metric from established run.com. They track basically how often are teams passing when the score is within seven points or less, like in neutral situations, quote unquote, uh, compared to the rest of the league. So we have two of the top 10 teams in terms of pass rate over expectation the Jets are number nine the Bills are number three but the Jets they they might be number one overall in pass rate over expectation over the last two weeks ever since Wilson officially went down just the last two weeks combined and this is including just their team quarterback like last week when Josh Johnson came in he dropped back a ton uh we've had combined the Jets starting quarterback from start to finish over the last two weeks has 71 completions 97 attempts and 817 yards. And this is a game here where the Jets are at home and they're underdogs, like plus 11 and a half. The last time I checked the spread last night, I don't know if it's moved. I know it opened up even bigger than that. I think there's money that's come in on the Jets since then, since Mike White got the nod to be the starter. But unfortunately, the area I wanted to attack was the attempts, but the books have set that properly. The line right now is 39 and a half for Mike White pass attempts. I don't know if I can go over that, although I'm certainly not going to bet under it. I I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to pivot to potentially Mike White completions or Mike White yards in this game. I think the completions is really where I want to go because the Bills have a top two secondary overall in terms of their coverage grade by PFF, actually number one overall this season out of 32 NFL teams. And to me, that means that the wide receivers are going to really struggle in this game. We have downgrades across the board, for guys like Elijah Moore, Jamison Crowder, Corey Davis. I mean, you're talking about some of the best DBs in the league with the Bills, with Tredavious White, Teron Johnson, Levi Wallace. So, you know, even the Jaguars last week against the Bills, they combined for 72 yards on 16 targets in the entire game. And look, Jacksonville is playing with the lead, so I don't know how much I want to take into that. I I don't know if the Jets can hang with the Bills like like the Jaguars did last week, but uh, for me, I think that this goes to show you that I, I expect the Jets to be trailing in this game according to the spread. That's what we're projecting right now. 
And because of that, I think that Mike White's going to need to throw. But since the books have maybe even overinflated the attempts line, the completions at 23 and a half, I think is a solid number because you're going to see a lot of checkdowns uh, in the short area of the field to slot receiver Jamison Crowder, as well as to the running backs, man, like Michael Carter, Ty Johnson. These are props that we've hit multiple weeks in a row, Sleepy, that I want to go back to. I don't know about the rushing because I'm worried that the Bills get right on offense in this game against a bad Jets defense. We could see the, the Bills jump out to a lead to, that might force the Jets to abandon the run in some aspect in some aspect of this game, maybe even early on in this game. So that's my overall thoughts here. Unfortunately, the books do not have a receiving line on Ty Johnson. Um, I hope that that comes out at some point this week. I'd be really disappointed if they didn't give a bettable number for Ty Johnson over receiving yards because he's he's playing enough to warrant a line just like he has the last couple weeks. But I think the books have really been hammered uh, on those Ty Johnson props Uh, because they've been set a lot lower than Michael Carter, but these guys have been equally involved in the receiving game. So that's where my head's at right now for this game. Uh, Still trying to make my way through things to figure out what I want to make as the best bet overall. Uh, I I think in terms of total receptions, I was trying to look earlier. Uh, I don't know if I saw anything, Sleepy, on this game. I'm I'm looking at the board right now. We're recording this here, you know, late Thursday night. Now it's Friday morning Eastern time, but I don't see any reception props. I only see the receiving yards. But to me, I would really like to target Ty Johnson in the passing game because he's playing in two-minute situations. He's playing in long, down, and distance situations. And his lines are going to be set a lot lower than Michael Carter. So I I think that I'm expecting Mike White to check down a lot in this game, just like he did in his two full starts before this. And I think we're going to see more of the same, especially with the Jets as, you know, plus 12, plus 11 underdogs at home. So that's what I'm looking at in this game. You know what I love, Chris? The fact that every single week we're, we're it's like we're diving into to the Jets on the player props. It's like you know, for guys like me and you, it's like there's a feeding frenzy there on the Jets props. It's kind of interesting because it's like you know one of the teams that you know nobody really wants to mess with, but every week you know here we are uh, doing our normal thing. Let's jump into the Buccaneers in Washington. Not a lot of props on this one here, Chris. Let's go ahead and go over the line here. I went looking for some props. I didn't see really anything out there except some defense and special teams. Uh, right now, Washington's going to be at home. They're going to be plus nine and a half, and we have a total of 51 in this particular game. Uh, both teams are going to come off of a bye. I don't really have a lean or a like in this one here, Chris. Uh, if I if I really wanted to go ahead and throw any money down here because I had to, I would probably take Washington plus the nine and a half points. But uh, as far as props right now, I'm not seeing anything. So what do you got? Well, in this game, we're still waiting to see what the final verdict is on Chris Godwin. Uh, He has not practiced yet so far, and it's looking like he's trending to not play. I wouldn't be surprised to see him ruled out before Sunday morning. Uh, In that case, we're going to see. And and it's looking like Gronk's not going to play either, even though we haven't had the news on that 100% just yet. So, yeah, no props available for this game just yet. But expect a heavy dose of Tom Brady, regardless of who he has to throw to, on the road, off a bye, off a loss. I expect a lot of passing for Tom Brady in this game. Right before the bye, when they lost that game to the Saints, Tom Brady threw the ball 40 times for 375 yards. He's now had 40-plus pass attempts in five out of his last six games and six out of his last eight. Um, 36-plus attempts in all eight games this season. So we talked about the pass rate over-expectation metric, and we mentioned you know the Bills being in the top five. Well, the Bucks are number two overall and now they're facing a secondary in Washington that's rated number 30 out of 32 teams according to PFF so we're seeing a you know a massive opportunity for the Bucks to do what they do well 
against a really bad defense and secondary in the Washington football team here. Uh, you know, Washington's offensive line, I, I think, should give them enough to be able to make some plays in this game to maybe keep it competitive early on. I just don't know if they have the firepower with, with Heineke under center to be able to keep pace with Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. I, I've got Mike Evans ranked really high. He's a guy I typically don't really rank that high sleepy when it comes to season-long fantasy because uh, he's been always, you know, throughout his career, he's been a great player, but he always relies more on touchdowns to give to give him most of his fantasy production. But with no Godwin, with no Gronkowski, against this type of secondary, he's going to be the clear number one alpha. I wouldn't be surprised to see Mike Evans get like 15 targets in this game. And I, whatever the line comes out on him, it might be set too low. So I've got him number three overall in the week at wide receiver. I've got Cooper Cup, number one, Devontae Adams, number two, Mike Evans, number three. Uh, Tyler Johnson's going to be a great play in fantasy. I've got him inside the top 40 right now next to guys like T.Y. Hilton, Marvin Jones, uh, Deontay Harris, Jamal Agnew, etc. So I'm expecting those to be the main two receivers on the field. And then O.J. Howard and Cameron Braid are going to be heavily involved as well. Maybe a little bit of uptick in receiving uh, volume for Leonard Fournette there too, even though the Washington run defense is really good. So I have Leonard Fournette ranked a little bit lower than usual this week because of the tough matchup on the ground, but he could make up with that easily with his receiving production. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Brady here go for 400 plus yards. And I'll absolutely be looking to attack that because again, Washington's top five run defense in the league, bottom two secondary in the league. And that's what the Bucks want to do is drop back and throw the ball. I don't expect that to change. Even if we get no Godwin and no Gronk in this game. And what about Antonio Brown? Yeah, he's going to be, out, I think for at least a couple of weeks, I'd be really surprised if he was even back by next week in week 11. All right, cool. Well, you know, with, with all that said, though, that does give me a little bit of pause with Brady overall, um, that he'll just go out there and rifle the ball all over the place. You know, when you're missing, you know, two of your top two wide receivers and your number one tight end, uh, you have to ask yourself, you know, what, what the hell, you know, like, what are they going to do? Just throw it to Mike Evans all game? I, You know, I, I don't know. Honestly, I think coming off the bye, Chris, and I don't know if this prop will even be available, but you know, I would look maybe for like somebody like Giovanni Bernard. This could be a a, a situation where it's like, okay, you know, we're, we're missing, you know, one, two, three guys. And it's like, we've been trying to get you into the mix and they're going through all the games throughout the season. But now it's like, you know, does he get, you know, an extra two, three plays this week um, that are scripted, you know, directly to him. Uh, and I haven't really seen any props, you know, throughout the season, you know, anything like super, you know, crazy with him, but, um, is that somebody that maybe you would look for? And if you do see it, be like, you know what, maybe I'll take a shot on somebody like that just due to, you know, the injuries, the time off. And, you know, obviously they, they, they brought him in for a reason, right? Chris, cause they were worried about, you know, guys like Fournette and guys like Jones. I just wonder if it's like, Hey, you know, we brought this guy in, let's give him some touches this week. And we got a couple of plays scripted for him. You know, is that something maybe you would look at or no? He could have a couple plays scripted for him, but it, it might he might only touch the ball on those specific scripted plays. And and you're never going to see more than like two or three scripted plays for Giovanni Bernard unless they're trailing. Like Giovanni Bernard's the guy you go to when the line is close. When when Tampa Bay's favored by almost 10 points on the road, I don't want to look at a Bernard. The thing that worries me the most is uh, this is in our cheat sheet that I mentioned as well, is that I, I do a section called trends. And it's basically looking at guys like, you know, in what areas uh, statistically are they going up in consecutive weeks or down in consecutive weeks? And entering the bye last week, Giovanni Bernard's uh, two-minute offense snaps went down to 0%, whereas Leonard Fournette took all of the work in the two-minute offense. So if they're giving Leonard Fournette, 
Fournette all the two-minute snaps, that's typically when you see passes, design passes to running backs. Uh, that concerns me a little bit. I, I think we could see they've committed to Leonard Fournette. Last year, it was like the 50-50 situation, like which week is it going to be Rojo? Which week is it going to be Fournette? This year, it's clearly Fournette. He's a workhorse running back on this team, and he's done well in that aspect, and they've never been shy to give him a lot of targets in games dating back to last season too, even during the playoffs and the Super Bowl. So uh, I would rather go to Fournette uh, if I'm going to play props in the receiving game for that. And then again, to me, Giovanni Bernard, yeah, you know what? You, you made a good point. Like the fact that they might be down Godwin, Brown, and uh, Gronkowski – you know, maybe Giovanni Bernard lines up out wide or in the slot on a couple plays in this game. I don't know how much they're going to do that. I think they would rather go to like a backup receiver like Darden, who caught like a 50 yard touchdown against the Saints. Uh, I think you're going to see Tyler Johnson maybe get six, seven, eight targets as well. So uh, that's it. I'm hesitant to play Geo unless the Bucks are in a script where they're it's either really close or they're trailing. And I just, it's really hard for me to see that happening in this game. You know, maybe they just brought Geo in there, Chris, just to, uh, you know, put pressure on on Jones and on Fournette to say step up or or we're going to, uh, you know, start limiting your snaps. And, you know, we've seen Fournette, you know, kind of take take the bull by the horns and really produce, you know, especially in that particular area. So and it's not like Gio was, you know, it's not like he's an elite guy. You know what I mean? I mean, he, he's seen his his better days in the NFL. So um, maybe maybe they will push Fournette here. It'll be interesting to see, you know, what that box score looks like, you know, after this game's all said and done. Let's jump over to the Falcons and the Cowboys. Cowboys are going to be a decent-sized favorite here. They're going to be minus eight here at home. High total on this one, Chris, uh, 54 and a half. I'm going to let you rip and run on this one. Dak Prescott back. Uh, still no Calvin Ridley. My fantasy league is uh, it's suffering, to say the least there, Chris. But I've done actually really well without him in the lineup, surprisingly. But what are you looking at for that particular game? Yeah, so the Cowboys in this game, uh, they actually have the highest team total projection on the entire slate. So this game has the highest over-under of Week 10, 54.5. We've got Dallas projected based off that number right at around over 31 points in this game here. I mean, obviously huge bounce-back spot for Dallas. Like, they were embarrassed against the Broncos. That game, to me, is more of a fluke outcome than anything else. You had Dak Prescott coming off a multi-week absence. Uh, CeeDee Lamb was dealing with an ankle injury. Uh, throughout that entire week, Cooper was dealing with a hamstring injury. So, you know, I would just scratch that game and throw it out. I, I wouldn't try to factor that into any of the handicapping we're going to do uh, for this game specifically against a bad Falcons defense here. Their coverage is, is graded number 24, so it's a bottom 10 coverage grade according to PFF. Falcons pass rush dead last in the league according to PFF as well. Uh, we have huge advantages uh, in terms of the offensive line and defensive line. Uh, for the Cowboys in our cheat sheet where we break down all the PFF grades and come up with net scores based on who has advantage, pass rush, pass block, or run defense, run block. And three of the biggest advantages for the entire week, the Dallas pass blocking in their offensive line, a plus 28 advantage when the highest you can get is a plus 31. The Dallas pass rush, plus 17. Dallas run blocking, plus 19. So a clear advantage in the trenches for the Dallas Cowboys, no matter how you look at it on the offensive side, and the defensive side of the ball. I think we could see a decent amount of passing in this game. You're going to see a spot where I think the Cowboys will look to take advantage of the Falcons secondary, especially when you look at the fact that uh, Zeke Elliott got banged up last week. He had, a, uh, I believe it was a knee contusion, so he got his knee banged up pretty good. Uh, looks like he's going to gut it out and try to play, but given that, I don't know if they want to ride him too hard into the ground, so I, I expect that you know a decent dose of him and Tony Pollard mixing in 
but I think they're going to drop uh, Dak Prescott back. And CeeDee Lamb, you look at his box score and you think he was a bust last week. He was like inches away from being like a top three receiver on the week. He led the NFL in air yards in week nine. And honestly, it wasn't even close. Sleepy CeeDee Lamb wind up having, I think it was like maybe 200, uh, let me just double check the numbers here, 212 air yards on the week in week nine. The next highest was Tyreek Hill with 199. Next highest after that was 172 with Jamar Chase. So I got CeeDee Lamb, you know, ranked really high in my rankings this week, number seven overall, right behind DK Metcalf, right ahead of Stephon Diggs. I think this is a blow-up spot for him. Uh, I would expect good games from Dalton Schultz, too, because uh, Mari Cooper, it looks like that hamstring in- injury is lingering. And while CeeDee Lamb injured his ankle in practice last week, it's looking like he's back to 100% now. That was like a minor injury, but these soft tissue hamstring injuries, like those worry me when it comes to explosive passing attacks uh, like the Cowboys here. So look, Cooper's at, Cooper's a great talent. I wouldn't be surprised to see him have a really good game, but I'm really worried about that injury there. Uh, but for me, that's where I'm looking. I think that CeeDee Lamb's in a great spot in this game here based off all the matchup metrics that we're looking at. Uh, and then for me, I, I think Kyle, uh, Kyle Pitts, like I think he's due for a bounce back game as well, but the books have already adjusted properly. Like he's coming off two down games in a row, but yet his receiving line is still at around 68 and a half and the, and the projections have him for about 60. So unfortunately I can't go over on Pitts receiving yards, even though I had that circled uh, at the beginning of the week here. So that's kind of where I'm looking overall for this game. I think that Matt Ryan's passing yards are a little bit overinflated as well. That's an under I'm looking at a lean for me right now uh, under, I believe it's under 290 and a half where the projections have like between 268 to 272. Um, so I, I would maybe try to jump on that because I'm seeing that points bet had 281 DraftKings had 290. I don't know if that's moved since then. I'm going to just check the updated boards right now, but the Dallas pass defense has been pretty solid this year. So I wouldn't expect Matt Ryan to just jump in there and throw all over the Cowboys. It's actually easier to run on the Cowboys than it is to throw on them. So uh, that that's one area that I like too. Um, CD Lamb, I'm seeing 71 and a half yards. It's it, it is pretty high, but I do like the over on that. And then I would say, when it comes to the passing yards overall here, I'm just trying to see the final number on Matt Ryan where it's at right now. Yeah, you can still get 288 and a half or 290 and a half at a couple different books. I I like 290 and a half under uh, at DraftKings minus 115. So that's a couple. I think I'm going to wind up putting a couple of props on my on my best bets card and in our Discord channel before Sunday from this game. Uh, there's a lot that I like off first glance. I'm just trying to work my way through to see what the best edges we have are compared to the projections. But that's kind of where I'm at right now for this game. You brought up one player that absolutely blew up one of my DFS lineups last week, and that was C.D. Lamb. Uh, he did have nine targets, though, you know, only two catches. So uh, maybe maybe there won't be a whole hell of a lot of buyers on him, you know, this week. And then uh, I also had Tajay Sharp, who, you know, was in this game. I had him, I and we talked about him last week, Chris, and I was like, I'm convinced he's going to be running Calvin Ridley's routes. Yeah, not the case. Uh, it looked like it was Russell Gage last week. And that's the problem here. I think with Atlanta, you don't know who the hell's going to perform for them um, on any given week. If I was looking at a prop, Chris, I would be on the opposite side of you with Matt Ryan. I think he's going to throw probably a ton in this game. Uh, but then, you know, you worry. It's like, well, you know, do you want to have to rely on guys like Tajay Sharp and, and you know, Cordell Patterson for, you know, even though he's been really good, you just don't know what they're going to do. So uh, it's an offense right now that that's a little bit tough to go ahead and, and kind of figure out here. 
Uh, I think that, that, that Prescott probably gets back to uh, throwing the football a lot in this particular game. You know, you had mentioned that Zeke, you know, his ankle was a little bit messed up there. You know, I would look at Prescott probably to go ahead and, and maybe go over his attempts in this one. It's 35 and a half, and they got to get him going. You know, last week was not a good game for Dak. Uh, he was off for a full week. And I actually think this game is uh, – I think this game's actually pretty close here. You know, it's not, I don't believe that this is going to be a blowout uh, by any by any stretch of the means. So uh, I would consider maybe playing Dak over his, um, his attempts at 35 and a half. Uh, I particularly don't want to mess with anything. I put C.D. Lamb, Chris, again – in my DFS lineup for this week. And I'm just like, every time I play this guy, dude, he never does anything for me. So um, that, that could be a sign, a bad sign, you know, for CD lamb owners. I think CD lamb is in tournaments, you know, in cash games. Yeah. Maybe a little risky because the Cowboys have shown if they get a big lead, they're more than willing to just run the ball and grind out the clock as opposed to air it out like last season. But if this game's any, what any sort of competitive early, early on in this ball game, I mean, like you said, CD lamb led, the team and targets by a pretty wide margin last week. And he led the the entire NFL in air yards. So the opportunity air yards is all about opportunity. I don't expect Dak to miss him every single time like he did last week. And now he's fully removed from that, that little minor ankle injury he got in practice last week. And with Cooper banged up with no Blake Jarwin, they're down to one tight end and Dalton Schultz. Uh, and especially with the matchup here, I, I just expect CD lamb to have a bounce back again. Like, I don't know. To me, like 71 and a half yards, I don't think there's a real edge playing that line because I think the projections have him for right around, you know, 73 is like the mean average projection for Lamb right now. So it's not like a slam dunk prop play, but tournament play, this the upside's there to where Lamb has a big game. We've seen him put up 150 plus yards, double digit targets already this season and last year as a rookie too. So tournament play, like you said, man, he's going to come in low owned because people just. People were disappointed by him last week. He's on some of the air yards by low models that we're looking at across the industry. So I think the ownership's going to be low and great DFS tournament play on land for sure. And and that's something that I have to do on, on occasion, you know, and I think that that's something that a lot of people should do is that, you know, if a guy does burn you one week, you can't just have bias and, and stay away from like, I feel like, like he's eventually going to go ahead and pay off for me. And I believe a lot of the, the issues I've had with him in my lineups, Chris is just, uh, a lot of it is is situation and, and circumstance, and it was like, you know, like I how do I go away from him this week? And it was like, you know what, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to just, uh, you know, hold everything against this guy because every time I use him, he doesn't do something. Eventually, he's going to hit the board, and maybe if it doesn't have, you know, a, a bad situation or circumstance in it, then you know, maybe he he goes off for me. And it was like, you know what, like I knew, you know, that I should have had this guy in there all the week, and and I know that Chris for sure, and, and you know that too. It's like you know, you have the right guy in your lineup and things just don't, don't pan out. And it was like, you know, this is another week where, you know, although I've had bad luck that, that I think that you have to have them uh, in somewhere in, in some way, shape or form. So uh, I'm going to have him again. And uh, if, if he doesn't perform, I'll just yell at you, Chris. I'll just be like, it's all your fault. Cause I'm tired of blaming myself for uh, uh CD lamb. Let's jump over to the lions, Chris. They're going to end up here uh, taking on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, right now, Pittsburgh minus eight. We have a total of 42 and a half. I don't know what to do with this game, Chris. I mean, Detroit, they're coming off of a coming off of a bye. Haven't won a game yet all season long. And the one player that I feel like that they can really rely on is DeAndre Swift. So I would look I would look at him more than probably anybody else in this particular game. 
Uh, we know Pittsburgh, you know, with their rush defense and their pass defense, that's a, actually a very good defense overall. So I want to hear your thoughts on this. I'm not going to go ahead and fire on any props uh, until I hear what you say. And then, you know, you probably talk me into uh, maybe one or two of them. But right now I'm, I'm going to sit on the sidelines for this game until at least I hear, you know, where where, where your mind's at with this one. Well, this is this one's a little tough. Honestly, I, I think Detroit can be competitive in this game, man. Um, you know, I actually don't hate their – in terms of a tournament play, that's going to be maybe zero owned by the field – the Lions defense. I'm, I'm tournament plays, you know, it's not a cash game. You're trying to you're trying to aim for the highest upside possible combined with the lowest ownership possible to get as much leverage on the field as possible. But the Lions DST going up against Ben Roethlisberger, it looks like Chase Claypool's not gonna play. And by the way, today, Thursday in the week, you know, half more than halfway through the week, Najee Harris popped up on the injury report with the knee injury. That's the first time all year as a rookie. He's been on the injury report, and he's been handling 25, 30 touches every single game. So maybe it's a little wear and tear that we shouldn't even concern ourselves with, but the fact that they're now going to be down, they're obviously down Juju for the year. They're now going to be down Claypool for at least one week. It looks like maybe multiple weeks Claypool might miss. So they're down to Najee Harris, who's questionable right now, Deontay Johnson. Outside of that, you got you know Ray Ray McLeod, James Washington. Obviously, I mean, Pat Fryermuth is, is, the, is the number two receiver right now on this team. I think he's a great uh, season long play. I've got him locked inside my, I had him inside my top 10 last week. Uh, I've got him locked inside the top 10 again this week. We're actually right on the borderline. I have Noah Fant number 10. I have Pat Frymuth number 11, which means he's a tight end one. If you're in the top 12, you're a tight end one. Cause we're talking about most 12 team season long fantasy leagues here, but that's my overall thoughts is that Pittsburgh's down a lot of guys. I don't know if they're going to be, they're going to be able to run Najee Harris into the ground like they have already. Uh, and yeah, and, and an- another thing is for the Lions is that Jamal Williams hasn't practiced yet this week. So he might be out again. He missed the game before the bye where they just got smoked by Philly and they pulled starters late in that game. I think uh, Swift had a fumble like in the late third quarter, early fourth quarter, and they just pulled them and put the third, fourth string guys in after that. So I expect them to give uh, Swift another chance to rectify himself this week. And if Jamal Williams doesn't play, you could be seeing we're talking about like 10, 15 rush attempts. 10, 15, maybe even targets alone for Swift in this game. A lot of garbage time potential if they fall down, if they fall from behind down early in this game like they usually do in most games they played throughout this entire year. So that's where my thought process is on this game so far. Uh, The Steelers' secondary has shown to be their weakness, Sleepy. Overall, when you look at the Pittsburgh defense, they have the number 29-ranked coverage unit in the entire NFL according to their PFF coverage grade. Uh, even though they're a top five pass rush, top three run defense, we saw against the Bears last weekend, they almost lost that game because if they if their pass rush can't get home on the quarterback, their, their, their secondary is left vulnerable in different spots. We saw Allen Robinson pop up and have like the biggest game of the season so far. We saw Cole Komet have a big game. We saw Justin Fields get his career high in passing yards all in the same game against this Steelers secondary, which has been beatable all year long. So I'm looking at guys like where you want to attack the Steelers is with your tight end and with your slot receiver. And that makes me want to look at TJ Hawkinson in this game. And even a guy like Amon Ross St. Brown, the rookie, the rookie slot receiver for the Lions. Uh, one of my favorite bets all year was a few weeks back when he played the Rams. I liked his under. It was in the mid-30s. He had zero targets in that game because he was being covered by Ramsey. But in this game, the matchup is great. The game script is in our favor, at least in terms of the projected point totals. Right now, you can get plus 125 for over 36 and a half yards for Amon Ross St. Brown. 
I like that given all the factors we've t- discussed here and maybe even going to Khalif Raymond too. These are the top two wide receivers uh, going up against a secondary that's not good at defending wide receivers. And you have Raymond lying in the mid-30s. You have St. Brown lying in the mid-30s too. Uh, Hawkinson, the yards are probably set about right around the low 50s. Uh, but maybe Hawkinson receptions is where we want to attack there too. So I expect a lot of production from those guys, from DeAndre Swift in the receiving game too. Uh, I don't know if this is going to be a huge blowout. I think there's a reason why, like, hey, you know, Pittsburgh's at home. Why aren't they minus 15 favorites over the lowly Lions? They're only minus eight. So so th- I think this game could be a little more competitive uh, than, than what people are thinking, which makes me like sneaky plays like that from the Lions, including their DST and DFS tournaments. Yeah, I'll tell you what right now. I don't think this game's a blowout by any means, Chris. I absolutely love the Lions defense pick here. I mean, I don't see how you don't. You have a team coming off of a week's rest. They are 0-8, and, and we know the the Steelers' offensive line, not very good. And you have a quarterback in there, Big Ben, who, you know, without Juju, without now Claypool, it's like, well, where's he going to go with the ball? Um, he's going to be standing back there, maybe a little bit too long. I think you're going to end up with your fill of sacks and, and maybe fumbles and interceptions in this game, you know, with the Detroit defense. Absolutely love that. I'm glad you brought that up. Chris, I do have, I do want to ask you this. Now, I was on Friar Muth, um, what was it, like two weeks ago, and, and I was asking you questions about him. I gave him out and stuff like that, cashed those props. I liked him again last week. Good. All right, it's guys like me and you, right? You know, we see this stuff at, at first glance, and it was like, you know, we're, we're ahead of the market. But because I have him in my DFS lineup again, you know, right under C.D. Lamb. And I'm like, I wonder if too many people are going to go ahead and go after this guy because of the game he had last game. So do you feel like maybe there's still value in him uh, in the prop market, in the DFS market, maybe for one more week? Because you figure if he's ever going to dry up without Claypool on the field, this is the week that he dries up um, after this. So, you know, do do we still have a little bit more time with him in in DFS and and probably looking at some of the props? Or do you think that, you know, that that value is, is slowly going away and maybe we just, you know, be careful or what? What are you thinking? No, in season long, the value is going to be there the rest of the year. He's going to be locked in as the tight end one the rest of the year. Right now, he's a low-end tight end one, which is like top 10, top 12. I honestly wouldn't be surprised to see him sneak into the top seven or eight by the year's end because because of the injuries that that Ben Roethlisberger is dealing with. If they're if they even have like a semi-hobbled Najee Harris that can't play a full role in the receiving game, Claypool's out, and everyone else, you know, Juju, et cetera, that's out. I'm telling you, Fryermuth will be a receiver on the field next to Deontay Johnson and giving those short area security blanket type of targets for Big Ben to complete because we know Big Ben likes to throw. His release time is the top in the NFL. He gets those quick passes out, and he trusts Fryermuth in the red zone already. We've seen all the touchdowns. He's scoring you know, three touchdowns over the last two weeks alone. The targets are there, six-plus targets in three straight weeks, uh, four-plus catches in three straight weeks. He's at a minimum of 43 receiving yards or more in three straight weeks too. So all the metrics are there, the underlying data, the snaps, the routes run, everything else is rock solid for Fryermuth. This clear distinction here in terms of DFS value, right? Cash game, absolutely he's a value play in cash games, right? Tournaments is where you could see the ownership start to trickle up on Fryermuth because his price tag is still low and he's a good play, which means his ownership overall could get pretty high. So even though we haven't had our final run of ownership projections for week 10 yet, I would probably say fade him in tournaments, but definitely don't be afraid to play him in cash games because in cash games, you're not really worried about the ownership projections 
as much as you are in tournaments because you just want to get as many points as possible to win your cash game head to head. And you only need to beat 50% of the field. So that's my thoughts on Friar Muth. Here's the thing in season long, man. I've got this situation sleeping both of my main leagues. One's a season long redraft league. The other one's a, a, a dynasty keeper league. And I had uh, Kyle Pitts in one of those leagues and Noah Fant in my other league. So I have two pretty solid tight ends. Uh, I picked up Frymuth off waivers in both leagues. And what I think is the situation now is that a lot of managers are still worried. Like, just like you were asking me, like, are you sure? Are you sure about Frymuth? So the trade value still isn't there for him yet. But you know what? For me, based off all the underlying usage data we're seeing and the offense and the fit in Pittsburgh, I need to sell Kyle Pitts and Noah Fant because I can get really good value for them on the market and Fryermuth, I believe, will put up almost exact numbers compared to, compared to those two guys the rest of the way as a top 10 tight end. So if you have Fryermuth on your roster and you have, have another starting tight end, you know, test the market and see what you can get. Because if you can up if you can trade one tight end on your team and upgrade at running back or wide receiver and then plug Fryermuth in as a top 10 option, you're really going to improve your roster in a big way. So that's kind of my overall season-long thoughts on Friar Muth versus DFS. All right, solid stuff there, Chris. I'll make a crazy prediction here. Let me give you a crazy touchdown prop, Chris, because I know you love these. Kalen Balaj or Benny Snell, one of those two guys are going to end up in the end zone this week. Don't know who, but that's just my, my gut feeling as we're talking through that game. Well, let's jump over to the Colts and the Jaguars. Colts could be laying a good number here, minus 10, total 47 and a half. I don't know, Chris. Jaguars last week, dude. Nobody saw that coming. Holding the Bills to six points. Interesting. You got to wonder, you know, what was said to them? Who lit the fire underneath that team's rear end? Uh, There are not a lot of props so far for this particular game. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and throw it to you first here, Chris, because I don't know what to make of Jacksonville after that effort. Here's the play that I actually like. It would be the Jacksonville Jaguars in the first quarter. And here's the reason why. You know, I was a little kid or whatever, and Chris, you probably, you know, played sports when you were a kid too and, and probably played on some teams that weren't exactly the greatest. But, you know, on occasion you go up against that really good team and uh, sometimes you beat them, sometimes you don't. But, you know, when you beat a team like that, you go into the next week thinking that um, that you could beat anybody. And I believe the Jaguars probably come into this game feeling like they could beat the Colts because of that effort that they put in there last week and the result that they got. And look, it wasn't some you know, 23-21 game where, you know, they snuck out a last-second field goal. Uh, they held the Bills to six points. That has to motivate that team all around. So I think they come in here really, really motivated, uh, especially in the first quarter. Now, reality might set in, you know, throughout the game, and guess what? You know, Indy might actually win and cover the game. So uh, I would look at Jacksonville in the first quarter. I think they come out swinging, punching, and then maybe perhaps, you know, reality sets in. I don't know. Uh, but that's just my psyche uh, for the for the Jags here, I think that that's what they're going to do uh, in this particular game because I've been in that situation, you know, playing sports when I was a kid, you know. So um, that's just one thing that I just wanted to bring up as far as props are concerned here, Chris. Don't see anything really on the board. So I'll go ahead and throw it to you with uh, pretty much nothing to talk about. Yeah, no props on the board. Uh, I believe, I don't know, I'm thinking that Trevor Lawrence is questionable right now, looking like he's going to play. James Robinson is questionable. He got in his first practice of the week today on Thursday. So I would say maybe leaning a little bit more towards him playing this week, although it's not for sure for certain yet. Um, I mean, the only props available are the touchdown props, Sleepy. I mean, you know, I looked at 
my first thought there is like, oh, whoa, what's Jonathan Taylor? Minus 225 for a touchdown. So I'm not paying that for any touchdown prop. James Robinson, however, if he plays, I believe he'll get a full workload and plus 120 for a touchdown. I'm not going to play it personally, but I think there's decent value on that, assuming he gets his regular workload if he winds up playing. Uh, so that's the only thing you can bet right now on this game. Um, but overall, I mean, my thoughts on that, man, I think that if anything, uh, Jacksonville has to breathe a sigh of relief. You know, they have to be able to breathe a sigh of relief after last week. And they had a big – that was their Super Bowl, man. And, like, I don't know if they're going to get up and, and play. You know, they're on the road now at Indy. Indy saw what Jacksonville did. They're not going to overestimate in uh, Jacksonville in this game. And the matchup is there in terms of the ground game uh, with what Indy can do. Uh, Jacksonville has a middling run defense. We have Jonathan Taylor on the other side. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I, think, I think it's the, the most concerning thing to me is that the, the Jaguars offense still really hasn't shown anything. And the, this Colts defense is going to be looking to have another big game for themselves. Like they want to stay in the wild card race for the AFC playoffs. So I don't know. I'm not saying the Colts are just going to blow them out of the water, but I'd be a little concerned about buying too much into what the Jaguars did last week because of that uh, we're seeing a big advantage for the Colts offensive line number 11 according to establish the run.com Jaguars defensive line 31st overall so we're seeing a plus 20 net rating advantage for the Colts offensive line in this game I expect this game to be like a, a slow paced affair because both of these teams rank 19th or worst in the league in terms of their pass rate over expectation so essentially these are two run first ball clubs and that's what they're going to try to do if they can. If the game's within seven points or less, they hand off at, at above average rates in terms of their situation neutral run rate. So that's just my overall thought so far in this game. When we do get props, I probably will be, you know, for the overs, I'm most likely going to look to attack the running backs, Jonathan Taylor, James Robinson, if he plays uh, in terms of his rushing attempts. And then for the unders, I think you, you could see some value betting unders uh, for the pass catchers on both sides. However, I will say this, like one of my props last week, which I actually feel really good about, even though it lost was Jamal Agnew was plus money over three and a half catches. But, you know, he had three catches early in that game, but the Jaguars were winning and they did not need to throw that much. So I think going back to the well on Jamal Agnew, whatever, if the line is three and a half again, I'll probably gladly play that again because Indianapolis plays a lot of zone coverage on their defense and against zone coverage it's really easy for those slot receivers to get open in the short intermediate areas of the field so I do like his matchup overall uh, compared to guys like Marvin Jones and LaVisca Chanel on the outside uh, and on the other side T.Y. Hilton's going to be back in this game which is going to lower the ceiling a little bit for Michael Pittman and Zach Paschal as well so I think JT's locked in top three running back on the week obviously but uh, I would temper my expectations a little bit for guys like Michael Pittman, uh, who's been a top 10 receiver. I have him more ranked close to like the low end, you know, teens. Like I've got him ranked right around like 13, 14 right now. Maybe might move him up a little bit based off the matchup because Jacksonville's secondary is pretty bad. But that's kind of my overall thoughts right now on this game. I love Pittman, man. Talked about him on our last podcast. That dude is, uh, he's breaking out. I will say this, Chris, that, even though it looked like it was an aberration from the Jaguars last week, you know, when you have a, uh, you know, potential MVP of the league and, and Josh Allen uh, throwing two interceptions and they, and they fumble the ball and 
you know, the Buffalo Bills offense only manages 300 yards. Um, there was something there. Um, that's just not luck. A team like Jacksonville, they don't get lucky. Something had to change. So um, I would just be careful this week with uh, messing around with the Colts because if the Jaguars come out and do the same thing again, then it's going to be a second data point and we're going to go, okay, what happened? Like what, what's going on with this team? Um, so that, that's just my feeling is that th- those type of results are, are due to something that's not, it's just not luck um, that, that you hold that team down to six points. They didn't even get in the, in the freaking end zone. Yeah. What, what's, what you've seen sleepy with in regards to the bills and the chiefs, both struggling is playing those two high safety shells cover two defenses seem to be really messing up some of these gunslingers like Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. I, I know it seems very simple, but Maybe it is. I, I think these offenses have to figure it out, and they have to be patient. They have to be willing to run the ball. They have to be willing to check down to the running backs, check down to the tight ends, check down to the slot receivers. And guys like Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes don't want to do that, and maybe you might see be seeing these like prolonged type of blips on the radar for them because it takes them a while. Their first mentality is to really be aggressive down the field, and these, defense are, these defenses are doubling down and not letting those big plays happen. So – I think that's a big reason to why Jacksonville was able to take advantage of Buffalo in that aspect, uh, especially. And also Buffalo's offensive line has been pretty banged up too. So, um, you know, obviously, like, I, I think the Colts' offensive line is going to be able to take advantage here with Jonathan Taylor on the ground. Uh, but just a couple quick notes. Like, you know, we do have upgrades across the board with the Jacksonville receivers going up against this zone coverage defense, uh, except for Michael Pittman. He's going to be lined up most likely against Jaguars defensive back Shaquille Griffin. Uh, Shaquille Griffin's actually done really well shadowing guys like A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, even Stephon Diggs last week did a solid job on him. Uh, So, you know, you could see a slight downgrade for Pittman in that aspect, although he'll still get his targets. uh, And then maybe a a slight increase for guys like T.Y. Hilton and Zach Paschal. So maybe T.Y. Hilton could be a sneaky DFS tournament play based off the matchup, big playability. Uh, But other than that, uh, I'm going to try to temper my expectations because I do expect this to be a low-scoring a uh, low volume play type of game here. All right, good stuff on that one, Chris. Let's jump over to our next game here. Uh, we have the Saints and the Titans. Uh, right now, Titans minus two and a half here at home. Uh, total of forty four. I gave out a free pick on this one uh, earlier in the week. I like the under in this one under forty five. It's now forty four. Uh, I don't think these teams get out of the upper thirties in this particular game. Uh, one play I would look at here, Chris, and I believe you know. Like, look, the Saints' rush defense is, is number one in the league. And if you take a look at what happened with the Saints last week, um, I wouldn't be surprised if they really try to lock down A.J. Brown, Julio Jones. The prop I would actually attack here is probably going ahead and playing Jeremy McNichols over his receiving yards of 19 and a half. You know, if you're down Derrick Henry and you are going to end up probably not being able to run the ball, which, you know, does that take Adrian Peterson out of the game? I don't know. Is uh, AP going to fool them in any type of way? Uh, I don't think so. I think you kind of know what you're going to get from that guy. Uh, More than likely, you know, maybe a red zone blast or, you know, goal line blast. But uh, I don't see Adrian Peterson getting a ton of work here. McNichols is a guy that's filled in before. You know, he's been on this team. Uh, He has reps. So I could see him getting some touches here out of the backfield, uh, especially in the receiving game. So I would look at him over his receiving yards in 19 and a half. I wouldn't be surprised if he's on the field for – you know, maybe 65, 70% of the snaps. I mean, what are they going to do? Chris is going to run AP out there. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how many plays he knows. And, and in order to go ahead and, uh, you know, continuously move the ball against, uh, against the saints, you have to be able to mix it up. 
And I think that McNichols brings more of a mix up than, than somebody like Adrian Peterson in the backfield. So uh, I like that. I'll do that. McNichols over 19 and a half receiving yards. That's what I'll do. What do you got, Chris? Well, I, I like that play. If the Titans are going to be trailing, I just don't know what, with Trevor Simeon under center, Kamara's not playing this week. It hasn't been made official yet, but the Saints signed multiple running backs to their practice squad this week. Uh, the main beat writer, Nick Underhill, came out today and tweeted that uh, expect Kamara to be seriously doubtful, and that's a guy that's very tempered with some of the stuff he puts out on Twitter. He's one of the better beat reporters in the NFL, so I do not expect Kamara to play in this game. Uh, I'm going to have Mark Ingram ranked as a borderline top 20 running back because he caught – five passes, even in a game where he only got 40% of the snaps playing with Alvin Kamara last week. So Mark Ingram could be pressed into like a full bell cow role. Maybe it's just for one week, but I expect him to have a really high volume game. He could be seeing maybe borderline 15 to 20 carries, five plus targets at minimum in this game here. The Titans run defense has been very good, but their pass defense is still beatable as long as the pass rush doesn't get to a guy like Trevor Simeon, assuming he winds up starting. Uh, But A.J. Brown on the other side, the one thing I've liked about him is that they haven't been using A.J. Brown this year like they did last year. Like they're actually finding creative ways to get A.J. Brown the ball. Uh, They're using him on quick hitting screens. Uh, They're using him on slants across the middle. They're lining him up in the slot, which could, you know, alleviate some of the shadow coverage that he would see from a guy like Marshawn Lattimore. So maybe Lattimore is more pressed against Julio on the outside as opposed to A.J. Brown. I think A.J. Brown will see his fair share of Lattimore, but A.J. Brown has the athleticism to, to just crush Lattimore in the open field if they're one-on-one with each other. So I'm not worried about that matchup too much. Uh, when you look at A.J. Brown's numbers, man, like over the last couple of weeks, he hasn't he's had the one big blow-up game before their bye, I believe. But in week nine alone, air yard share percentage, A.J. Brown had 87% of the Titans air yards in week nine. Other metrics that we look at for fantasy, target share percentage, 42% of the Titans targets in week nine. Weighted opportunity rating, number one in the NFL. Weighted targets per route run in week nine. From weeks five through nine over the last month, weighted targets per route run. A.J. Brown, number one over Devontae Adams in the NFL This guy is a breakout waiting to happen. Even with a tough matchup, I see A.J. Brown being a fantastic DFS tournament play because, frankly, you can't run on the Saints, and you're going to have to throw. So I see Julio and uh, A.J. Brown still being very involved in this game. I just don't see with the Titans at home sleepy. I think the public is still underestimating or being skeptical of this Titans team without Derrick Henry. Uh, I, I know that maybe Vegas wants me to get this because the hook is there, but I'm, I already bet Titans minus two and a half uh, at home with the pass rush playing like they have been over the last couple of weeks with their defensive line with A.J. Brown coming in the form against a backup quarterback with no Alvin Kamara. I, I believe that the Titans should be more than three point favorites here at home. So I really like the Titans minus two and a half in this game. And I think A.J. Brown tournament play wise, I love him cash game play. You know, the floor, you know, could be a little shaky because of that Lattimore coverage. But in tournaments, I'm absolutely going to A.J. Brown because as much as I could see him having a down game with five catches, 50 yards, I could easily see him having a game with 10 catches for 200 yards. That's well within his range of outcomes with the talent that he is. So that's kind of where my my head is overall for this game so far. You know, as Chris, as you're talking, I'm sitting here thinking, I'm like, you know what? Maybe we play like Tannehill over his completions, which is like 21 and a half. 
you know, if you're severely going to be limited in your rushing attack, and, and I believe that, you know, we both kind of think so, you know, and you're talking like, you know, really good about AJ Brown and, and Julio, and, you know, you got guys out there like Ferkshire, uh, maybe McNichols, like, you know, I hope he gets into the mix. Maybe Tennessee's just like, screw it, dude, let's just air it out. You know, let's, let's just, let's, you know, go out there and gun it, gun it at home. I think Tannehill over 21 and a half completions might actually have some value here, you know, especially if they're able to go ahead and, and, and move the chain. So, um, that's the way I would go. I do have a question for you because I have Ingram in my, uh, I picked him up, I don't know, weeks ago, uh, when he was with Houston, because that, that backfield looked, you know, a little sketchy and I'm just like, I don't know, maybe he's a good pickup. Maybe he'll end up, uh, starting there over Johnson, not the case. So I ended up with him. but no, I have guys on, on, in my flex, Chris, like a, a Conklin. Uh, I think I have another tight end in there too. I don't know who it is. It's not a, a premier tight end, but you know, it, it, do I use him this week, you know, over a guy like Conklin? Like I, I guess, and you're probably going to say, yeah, I'm an idiot if I don't. Yeah. If Kamara's out, Ingram's locked into the top 20. I, I've got him borderline top 15 right now. I've got Ingram number 17 in my rankings. Uh, one spot ahead of one spot ahead of Devin Singletary. Singletary is that high because right now Zach Moss is trending to be out. So those two guys get huge bumps, basically getting the entire backfield to themselves. I have him one spot behind Daryl Williams for the Chiefs. So yeah, Ingram to me, number 17 overall. Uh, he could get a ton of targets in this game playing with Trevor Simeon. Uh, and, and then here's the thing with, with the Titans, why I really like A.J. Brown. Uh, even though I think the prop line is set pretty accurately in, in the 70s, so I don't know if there's much value there, but for DFS purposes, I mentioned uh, New Orleans, although they're really tough against the run sleepy, their pass rush is ranked number 29. Like they're bottom three in the NFL in their pass rush grade. And I don't think they're going to get much of an advantage there. And the fact is that their run defense, yeah, it's number two overall, but the Titans have had a top 10 run blocking unit all uh, season. So I don't know how much of an advantage, how much of an advantage this Saints defense has uh, on the Titans. But the, the advantages we do see is with the, with the uh, Saints pass blocking, plus 16 net rating advantage and the Saints run blocking plus 13 net rating advantage. To me, that makes me think that Ingram's going to get a big boost because of that. And again, expect no Camara. I'd be very surprised at this point in the week if Camara winds up suiting up. We could get official news on that as early as Saturday. So yeah, fire up Mark Ingram over any tight end you have in the flex for sure. I think it's important, you know, for the listeners to know that, you know, Ingram was there before. I mean, he was in that offense. He probably knows that playbook you know if they haven't changed a whole hell of a lot of verbiage they might you know dust off the old uh you know playbook and say here you go dude or whatever you know and maybe he ends up being you know that guy that that you're gonna wish that you had uh but you know what i got him so i'll probably end up having to use him here chris this week uh, let's jump over to the browns and the patriots patriots can be minus two and a half here uh total 45 and a half uh, i don't see uh, any props really on this game either chris um, you know, the, the books are getting slower and slower, putting these things out, you know, waiting for some of the market, some of the other, you know, offshore books and other goofy books to go ahead and put them out. So um, they're just, you know, they're being careful. But what do you got for this one? You got any props in that one? Man, well, this is, you know, there's no props, like you said, right now on the board. Um, but Dearness Johnson, you know, assuming Nick Chubb doesn't get those, you know, back to back, back to back tests in to show that he doesn't have COVID anymore. Assuming that doesn't happen, I don't know if anyone's been able to do that so far this year, if I'm not mistaken, but it's looking like Dearness Johnson is going to be back to that role he had a couple weeks ago against the Broncos where he was one of the best running backs in the league. So I've got Dearness Johnson sleepy number 10 overall in my running back rankings for week 10. I've got him one spot behind Zeke Elliott, one spot ahead of James Conner. Um, 
frankly, I know their matchup isn't the greatest against the Patriots, but you know, the advantage is there for Cleveland. I mean, they have one of the best offensive lines, if not the best offensive line in the NFL. So we have a plus 17 offensive line net rating advantage for the Browns in this game, plus 18 rating for their run blocking unit, plus 14 rating for their pass blocking unit. So I do like the Browns to be able to get the advantage in the trenches in this game. Obviously, you know, with no more OBJ in town, you saw them really free things up with Baker Mayfield taking shots down the field to Donovan Peoples-Jones against Cincinnati. But New England's strength is in their secondary. And I would I would not bet again on Donovan Peoples-Jones. You know, he only had three targets last week. Remember that. And, and in these games where he's had big, big pop-off plays, now his his target volume is very low, so it's really risky to bet on those guys that are getting low volume to be able to churn out that type of production and efficiency week to week. Um, what you have seen is is the Browns are running three tight end sets, thirteen personnel. They're running they're running a lot of plays on the field, most in the NFL by far, with David Njoku, Austin Hooper, and Harrison Bryant all in the field at the same time. I mean, we saw we've seen consecutive week increases sleeping now with David Njoku targets per route run targets. Average depth of target, dot air yards, all have gone up in consecutive weeks for David Njoku. So I actually do like his prospects, even though he had a down uh, game in the box score last week against Cincy. The Browns really just didn't need to throw the ball that much. So uh, he's a guy I would look at in terms of like a really cheap punt uh, DFS tur- tournament play on DraftKings who has big playability. Um, but that's kind of overall in this game. Like I'm expecting a really slow-paced games, uh, game here. Not a lot of plays run. Not a lot of snaps total between these two offenses. These are two teams that are in the bottom 10 in pass rate over expectations. Cleveland's number 29, New England's number 24. Both these teams want to run the ball early and often. And if they can do that in this game, I mean, I could see this game being like a freaking 15 to 6, 15 to 9 type of outcome here. So uh, I haven't bet the under, but man, it, it's it's kind of talking through everything. It's really hard not to consider the under uh, in this game, given these profiles and the way these teams want to play. All right, good stuff on that game. Let's jump into our 4 o'clock action here, Chris. We have uh, the Panthers and the Cardinals. Cardinals are going to be a big favorite here, minus 10.5, uh, total of 44.5. Sam Donald is gone, thank God. Uh, they're going to end up with uh, P.J. Walker. Now, if you guys were watching the news today, uh, the Panthers went ahead and signed an even worse quarterback than Sam Donald. That's not going to help them and Cam Newton. Uh, that team's a mess right now. I don't know what I would do with them. Maybe you just look towards McCaffrey. I don't know. I'm staying away from Carolina uh, completely. Uh, Arizona for me, you know, Murray coming off of uh, an ankle injury. Uh, not sure. Chris, was he ruled in yet or ruled out? It's it's looking like 50-50 right now, but he has not practiced all week yet. And even though he made a, he made a comment to reporters earlier in the week that he's made like amazing progress, quote unquote, on his ankle, but he still has not been a limit. Even, he hasn't even been a limited participant in practice yet, so – uh, I'm thinking 50-50, but if he doesn't get a practice in on Friday, uh, it's going to start being more like 60-40 that he's not going to play. All right. Well, there's no props for this game and because of you know everything that's going on right now with the quarterback. So, James Conner, dude, I told everybody, just play him, score a touchdown. So, if it comes up again, guess what? Conner to score a touchdown. I'll, I'll just keep laying into it. That's going to be like minus 300 this week or something. I don't know if it'll be. They, I don't think they would ever put him that low. I mean, we've seen Henry down there in, like, you know, the 250s. You mentioned it before with Taylor. Uh, But I don't know, dude. Like, if I could get Connor maybe at, like, minus 130, I would do it. 
you know, and you're right, maybe they'll adjust it a whole bunch this week uh, due to the, you know, the running back situation and the quarterback situation. Uh, but again, it's James Conner and, and they, they weren't, they weren't, you know, moving it down a lot. I mean, I was getting better odds on James Conner to score a touchdown than it was Chase Edmonds. And I felt like, like that was completely wrong. So but look, maybe there's another week, you know, that we can get some value on, on, on a prop like that. And, and, you know, minus 130, if that's where it's at, hell, I'll buy that. Um, but that's all I would do in this game, Chris. I, it's just, there's really nothing here for us to, to really digest. But what do you got? I mean, I, I don't see how Christian McCaffrey doesn't get uh, double-digit targets in this game. So I would look towards the overs on his receiving, the fact that Carolina's, you know, over 10-point underdogs in this game here. Uh, we, we see a clear advantage. Car- uh, Cardinals defensive line, number 10 overall. Panthers offensive line, number 30 overall. Uh, a lot of checkdowns, easy completions for P.J. Walker in the backfield to Christian McCaffrey. Even though they said Christian McCaffrey was going to be limited, he was in terms of the snaps. He like had half the snaps last week in week nine. Uh, his targets per route run was 33%. So that, that's a massive number for a running back. And I think he's going to be thrown into like probably minimum 70, 75% of snaps in week 10. He's going to be used as like their de facto number one receiver next to DJ Moore. So I expect Moore and McCaffrey to maybe combine for like 80 plus percent of the targets for the Panthers. And the fact that the Cardinals have a, a plus 23 net rating advantage in their pass rush against Carolina's offensive line. I think that just goes to show you that PJ Walker is going to have to dump it down to McCaffrey for those easy targets due to the pass rush and pressure getting in his getting in his face throughout this game. So I can only look to McCaffrey over on his receiving. And then what I would maybe look at here is like the Panthers are just such a shit show right now. If the Cardinals jump out to a big lead, whether they have Kyler Murray or not, uh, maybe look to Eno Benjamin. I, I hesitate to think that they're going to give Connor a massive workload, being that Connor is like their only true starting running back on the roster that's healthy right now. And he has a really bad history of injuries over the last few seasons. They have to be somewhat aware of that. And I'd be really surprised if they just go in and give James Conner 30 touches in this game. So I think we could see a lot of second-year former six-round running back Eno Benjamin. He, he made a couple really nice plays last week, scored a touchdown kind of in garbage time. But this is an offense that likes to split their work between two backs. And I think that what we saw last week, Sleepy, is that James Conner got all the work because they didn't have a game plan for Benjamin. They weren't game planning for Chase Edmonds to get hurt on the first drive of the game. Now that they've had a week to prepare for this game, I think you could see Benjamin a lot more involved. If you're desperate for an RB3 flex option, even an RB2 in a deep league, I'm probably going to wind up starting Eno Benjamin in one of my leagues where it's a 14-team league with really big benches and really big starting lineups. So uh, not a DFS play by any means, but I think he could could be a solid backup. Or maybe he's a guy where the lines come out and Eno Benjamin's rushing props like 15 and a half or 20. I might be looking strongly at playing the over on that as well. All right, good stuff, Chris. Let's jump over to the Vikings and the Chargers. Chargers are going to be minus three. Uh, high total in this one right now, right around 53 in this game. I would only play one prop here, Chris, and a lot of it I think is due to uh, maybe motivation, and it could be motivation by Dalvin Cook. Uh, if you guys are watching the news, you know, there were reports coming out about, you know, this domestic violence stuff that he was involved with, and, uh, you know, he kind of made his case, you know, at least on social media, which – Normally, if somebody's guilty, they're not going to say anything. And Cook was going out there. He was defending himself, being like, no, you know, everything that everybody's hearing is, is you know, it's it's not true. So um, I'm not going to say, you know, it's true or not. I don't know. You know what I mean? We don't know. But generally, you know, when somebody comes on social media and they, they start, you know, 
going out there and voicing their opinion when somebody gets accused of something like that. Uh, generally, you know, th- they probably don't have anything to worry about. So I wonder if Cook tries to come out here and at least uh, perform at, at a very high level and, and try to put you know, a lot of the negative stuff, you know, behind him. And, and some people might worry about focus for him, but, you know, this Chargers rush defense is, uh, it ain't good. And to Cook right now, you can get him at 90 and a half rushing yards. I would go over that, Chris. Um, and it's just, a, like I said, a lot of it's just built-in motivation. Uh, could Cook go over that? Certainly. Could the Chargers give that up? Yeah. So I'll do that uh, over 90 and a half. And I'm just playing that based off of motivation. I think Cook comes in here and uh, performs well and, and kind of just uh, shuts everybody up. So that's what I'll do. I think there's a lot of points in that game, Chris. So I'm guessing you probably got have, uh, a lot of guys targeted there. Yeah, well, I actually, to me, it's a clear run funnel in the Chargers. Like, teams are running against them at the number one clip in the NFL. Uh, Chargers are top four in pass rate over expectation. Minnesota's bottom five. So you're seeing a team in Minnesota that their identity is to run the ball, and they're playing the perfect defense for that. And that's going to kill a lot of extra time off the clock compared to a normal game. So Although I can see a lot of uh, offense in this game, I see it being primarily coming on the ground game for Minnesota and probably mostly coming through the air with the Chargers. Like these teams are going to play to their identity in this game, which is why I'm going to look overs for Cook. I like his over rushing. I like the unders for the Minnesota passing attack because as much as we want to hate on this Chargers run defense, uh, they have a really good secondary. So, I'm looking under one of my favorite plays of the week. I gave this already out in our subscriber Discord channel for betting predators is Kirk Cousins under his under his passing yards for this game right now. The projections have him for like the mid two fifties. Uh, the line is in the mid two seventies right now. So I like Cousins under two seventy four and a half passing yards. I also will be looking towards unders for Adam Thielen. Uh, right now, his projection is between 53 to 55. The line is around 63 and a half. I think there's really nice value there, as well as the under on a guy like K.J. Osborne. His receiving prop, this guy has only been getting a couple targets a game. The Chargers are probably the best secondary in terms of shutting down opposing wide receivers. It's really the tight ends and the running backs that do well against them. So I think you could see a lot of work in the receiving game for us, uh, for Tyler Conklin and for Dalvin Cook, and you're going to see limited opportunities for Adam Thielen and KJ Osborne. I won't play the under on Jefferson because he's just a big play waiting to happen. And he kind of has that squeaky wheel narrative working in his favor. The offense corner came out and said they're not getting him getting him enough targets. That leads me to like Adam Thielen under because of all those reasons, plus the Jefferson situation. Um, other than that, sleepy for season long. Uh, Keenan Allen's the, the 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 cover boy on my fantasy rankings column for this week. We talked about the accuracy contest. Uh, I was top seven out of 195 analysts last week in ranking wide receivers. And having Keenan Allen up there was a big reason. And he paid off in a big way with 13 targets, 12 catches. I've got Keenan Allen as a top 10 receiver right now. I've got Mike Williams ranked at number 20. So you're seeing a clear distinction between these two guys as opposed to earlier in the season. Although I will uh, put a caveat in there and say that I like Mike Williams over his receiving yards because it's set at around 60 and a half right now. We hit the over on that last week. Minnesota is still going to be without their uh, safety and Harrison Smith. So you can see Mike Will- Mike Williams take the top off this defense after Herbert had just a fantastic day throwing the ball last week. So a lot of passing for the Chargers, a lot of running for the Vikings. I'm pretty sure it's going to play out in some type of similar way 
to how these identities want to operate their offense on a week-to-week basis. So that's how I'm approaching this game from a prop perspective. All right, solid stuff on that one, Chris. Let's jump over to uh, Philadelphia Eagles and the Denver Broncos. Broncos are going to be minus 2.5, total 45.5. Chris, I was looking for some Noah Fant receiving props. I don't see any. Uh, that's one guy that I'll certainly be targeting in this game, but uh, I gotta, I just gotta come out and say that like the sharp guys, you guys gotta stop messing with Philadelphia. Um, they, 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 it seems like like that's like the team that's like every week it's like oh we got a bit Philly. Uh, they didn't cover last week, and everybody was all over them, and everybody's all over them again. I think this is a terrible situation for Philadelphia. I know that team inside and out. Um, you know, could they be good in the future? Yeah, but right now. Um, but it's hard to take a team like that on the road uh, against a team in Denver who, you know, they're really looking to turn the season around and string two wins together. And now you add, you add Jerry Judy to the mix. You add Noah Fant to the mix. Like, I could see Philadelphia um, getting bombed in this game. And although the line doesn't say that, uh, I think just the, the market's just putting way too much stock into, you know, Philadelphia being pesky and Denver you know, kind of, you know, they hit that slide there for a little bit, Chris. So a lot of people kind of like, yeah, you know, whatever. And Denver played really well last week. You know, they, they, you know, let's just say that they, you know, they shut the Cowboys up. I think Denver is, uh, is certainly live, you know, for this game to not only win, but cover by, by a good amount, but I'll be looking for Fant. I'm just cautioning people stay away from Philadelphia. You know, the wise guys, uh, they're in love with them again next week. And, and that's one thing that, uh, one thing I've noticed, you know, being in this business for a long time is that when the wise guys start riding the same teams week after week after week, um, it's because they think they're eventually going to get there. And you know what? They don't. So if you see Philadelphia not cover this week, you're going to hear a lot of the wise guys that you guys listen to uh, all say that they're jumping off of Philly. And you know what? They're two weeks late. You should have did it last week, uh, as I had mentioned. And, and this week, I don't want any part of Philadelphia. So. I'll be looking for Noah Fant uh, for this particular game here. Chris, what do you got? That's where you want to attack the Eagles almost every week. I mean, Jared Cook last week, we hit the over. We did we did a double dip prop on Jared Cook. Uh, I played the alt line over three and a half receptions at plus 140. That hit pretty early, even though he wound up with four receptions exactly. So we cashed that. The original line was two and a half, juice to the over. So we hit both those props on Cook, even though he split time in like a three-way tight end committee. So – at most for Denver, we're going to see a two tight end committee with Albert O and Noah Fant, although Albert O has been banged up with a knee injury all this week. So we could go right back to seeing Noah Fant running 80 plus percent of the routes. And if he does, coming off the COVID list with no injury, Noah Fant could be in for an absolute smash spot against this uh, against this Eagles secondary that basically funnels targets to slot receivers, to running backs, to tight ends, although they're really good at defending perimeter wide receivers, which is why I would again fade Cortland Sutton even 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 coming off a down game like he had last week in week nine against the Cowboys so you know I think Sleepy the reason why people are on the on the Eagles is because uh they they have a really strong offensive line defensive line in terms of all their grades overall you know they have a a pass blocking net rating advantage in this game of plus 22 Philly has the number seven overall pass rush and uh pass rush in this uh in this game and on the year uh, their pass blocking is ranked number six in the league. Denver's pass rush is ranked number 28. So you're seeing clear advantages from Philly's defensive line plus 13, Philly's offensive line plus 18. Uh, I think that's going to give them a chance here playing against a Broncos team that just had more of an aberration game, I believe, than anything else uh, beating the Cowboys. I think they could be due for a little bit of a letdown here, although I'm not going to bet Philly plus three because I just don't trust Nick Sirianni calling the right plays to get this offense in the right spot. So, um, 
Having said that, I, I do think this game will be competitive, and I think there could be some really good DFS oper- ceiling opportunities for guys like Dallas Goddard, uh, Jerry Judy, Devontae Smith, etc. Javante Williams, man, like he has an absolutely fantastic matchup, as does Melvin Gordon. Like I shouldn't – we always talk about Javante Williams. Well, you know what happens every single week? Melvin Gordon gets more touches, and he's been playing pretty damn good this year as well. I don't hate playing overs on both Javante and Melvin Gordon in the rushing yards department because right now they're both lined under 50, and they're playing against maybe the – maybe a bottom bottom five at best run defense in the Eagles here. Like that's what you do against the Eagles is you run the ball against them. And with Denver coming back to mile high stadium at home, I think Javante Williams coming off his first career, hundred plus yard game, even better matchup this week than against the Cowboys last week. I think he eats, I think Melvin Gordon eats as well. So I'm willing to play both those running backs over. And then looking at the other guys I mentioned uh, before, you know, in terms of Jerry Judy, I think he's got a plus matchup in this game. And then Noah Fant, Whenever those lines come out, I absolutely want to play Noah Fant. Absolute great ceiling tight end play in Noah Fant in DFS tournaments too this week. All right, good stuff there, Chris. And I wanted to bring that up too with Sirianni. It's so hard to trust a bad coach on the road, uh, especially with a, a team that is just so undisciplined. I mean, Philadelphia, they kill themselves constantly with penalties. And then the coach does a lot of boneheaded stuff. Like, I, I sorry, I just don't see it. Let's jump over to my Green Bay Packers. They're going to be minus three here at home. Uh, Seattle, Russell Wilson will be back. Uh, we have a total of 49 in this one. I hate this game, Chris, because I was hoping that Wilson wasn't going to play. Um, I would play the over because I think Wilson's going to come out here. He's going to fire the ball to Lockett, fire the ball to Metcalf. Uh, we know Chris Carson probably going to be back in the lineup, but you know, how much are they going to use him up uh, right now after coming back from injury? Rodgers will be back for this game. There's no way they're going to have him out You know, for his second week here. The, the team's just rolling, so. Uh, over for me, I would look maybe at DK or Lockett here, Chris. Um, I just know, you know, Wilson is not a Wilson's not afraid of this team by any means. So I would look maybe in that direction. But what are you thinking about for Seattle and Green Bay? Seattle and Green Bay, yeah, I definitely think that Lockett's being undervalued by the market right now. I I see a really big difference in the uh, expert consensus fantasy rankings by other analysts across the industry right now that are ranking DK Metcalf really highly above Tyler Lockett, even though Lockett's the one that had the better game the last time we saw the Seahawks offense, even though it was with Geno Smith on the field. But uh, for me, I had Tyler Lockett at wide receiver 11. I, I don't think that's much of a stretch, to be honest. And I'm seven spots ahead of ECR. Right now, the, 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 rest, of, the rest of the analysts in the industry on average have him at wide receiver 18. I've got him at wide receiver 11. I've got DK Metcalf at wide receiver 6. I mean, this is a Packers defense where – their secondary has graded out pretty well this season, but you have to look at some of the opponents they played sleeping. I don't got to be the one to tell you that because I think the only real good op- opposing pass offense that they played, and let's throw the Chiefs out of that. Like As of late, the Chiefs have not, have not been a good passing offense, but Jamar Chase tore up uh, the Packers secondary when they played the Bengals about a month ago, and I think this is the type of matchup where I'm looking at, I'm looking at guys that are going to be able to do the same thing in regards – to the Seahawks and the Packers with guys like DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett here. So I, I like both those guys a lot. I think it's a great stacking opportunity in DFS to where maybe you don't even have to stack them with Russell Wilson. You can stack them together, play a cheaper quarterback. Um, but that, that's kind of my overall thoughts for this game. I, I think we could see a lot of good stacking opportunities for game stacks with, you know, Devontae Adams and DK Metcalf as a skinny stack with one player from each team. 
Um, even Aaron Jones, I think, could be due for a little bit of a bounce back game. Having Aaron Rodgers back under center, he, he was kind of off timing with Jordan Love last week where we saw uh, Aaron Jones only get two targets and zero catches, but we saw A.J. Dillon, who's not really much of a receiving threat. He had four uh, caught all four of his targets for four catches in that game too. So uh, Aaron Jones, to me, I think is definitely a bounce back candidate in the receiving game, uh, as, if, as is Tyler Lockett and D.K. Metcalf were. To me, my average projection for Lockett is right around 70. The prop line's in like the mid-60s. Uh, these are two big plays, big play threats waiting to happen, getting their quarterback under center against maybe an average defense at best, but in my opinion, a below average secondary. So that's where I'm going to that's where I'm going to be looking to attack in this game. And then Devontae Adams, you know, locked in number two overall receiver on the week for me, right behind uh, Cooper Cup. So, you know, I'm kind of looking at the stars to do their thing in this game because I think both offenses have good matchups in that type of perspective. I like the fact that you uh, that you got Lockett ranked that high. And I, I, I agree with you. Like, he should be up there. Um, he's going to, you know, probably more than likely take advantage of uh, Green Bay secondary. Uh, but that'll wrap up the podcast, guys. Uh, we went through all our games. Chris, I know you wanted to go ahead and touch real quick uh, on our, um, I believe, in-season football package. So why don't you go ahead and do that? Yeah, we've got a uh, we got a special midseason price on our in season package. Get it all for ninety nine ninety nine for the rest of the season from now through the end of the Super Bowl. We're not even halfway through. We're going through the rest of the regular season, through the playoffs, through the Super Bowl. So uh, we got about twelve weeks to go in total, combining all that together. We're gonna have player props for every single main slate, every single primetime slate. We've got DFS top plays for those as well. We've got look ahead lines, power ratings from Steve Reeder at Avoid the Vig and a lot of other things in between you get early access to all of our player prop bets, early access to our player props cheat sheet, which as I mentioned before, it's all the best information you need to know across the entire industry, all put into one document. We're taking, you know, literally hundreds of hours of research and data into something you can read with a cup of coffee for an hour on the weekend and get all the best info you need to know. So, uh, you, you know, probably from compared to the free stuff on our website and what we're putting behind in our subscriber package, you know, you're going to be able to get an extra 70, 75% compared to what you're seeing for free on the website at bettingpredators.com. So absolutely worth the price, in my opinion. Uh, hit me up for a discount if you're listening to this here. Hit me up on Twitter. Shoot, shoot me a message, uh, at Mad Journalist. That's M-A-D-D Journalist. We'll make sure to hook it up for you. Uh, but, yeah, other than that, I'm excited to get it here into week 10. Uh, you know, Sleepy, we've been, on a, we've been on a roll with the podcast props. Uh, I've been on a nice roll with my player props column uh, over the last month now. I think since week six. We've been on a really nice run, uh, hitting at about a 65% clip. Uh, over the last four weeks, we're 66 and 35 on best bet player props for plus 24.6 units. So uh, hoping to keep that momentum going and make it a fifth straight winning week over here at Betting Predators. Hopefully we'll have another great week here. I believe that we will. Uh, it seems like seems like uh, we're all you know kind of in the pocket right now and everybody's just kind of uh you know we got to sit on cruise control right now so hopefully we'll cruise right through nfl week 10 uh, with another winning week i believe that we will uh, you guys know where to find us on twitter at sleepy journal score pregame uh, at mad journalist it is m-a-d-d journalist you guys can find us at the betting predators.com and at the best sports betting information site on the web pregame.com with that said, i'd like to wish you guys all the best of luck for nfl week number 10 enjoy the games <laughs>